Hey everyone, welcome back to Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Hedy O'Brien, and I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to tune in to Lifelong Podcast, a show all about non-toxic living and longevity, and that is what I'm on a mission to do, and thankfully I am able to do so through this podcast. Last week, I apologize, I was unable to release a new episode because I got a bit bogged down. Finally, the wedding and traveling and jet lag all caught up to me and I got sick. So really apologize about missing an episode. From here on out, episodes regularly come out every Friday. You can count on me, but life happens sometimes and I'm sure it wasn't too much of a nuisance for you. But anyways, today we have a solo episode and it is all about fertility and toxins and the role that toxins play on infertility. And I wanted to just put out a disclaimer here that infertility can be and is a very touchy, sensitive subject. Those that are trying to conceive, I know, can be very sensitive to anything related to fertility. If you're choosing to listen to this episode, you know, you're I assume that you're making that decision that you do want to learn a bit about from a bit more about infertility and fertility from the toxin perspective. But I did want to just put this little disclaimer out there, send love out there to all of those who are maybe struggling with hormonal imbalance or infertility. My heart goes out to all of you. And I know that fertility and infertility for that matter is very multifaceted. There are lots of things that contribute. My show is all about toxins and educating about toxins, so we're going to narrow in on that perspective today. Additionally, anything that you listen to in this episode, really any of my episodes, is not medical advice. I am not a doctor, so please use your own due diligence. Talk to your doctor about your own things like that because I'm not a doctor, and that's my little disclaimer, but needless to say, I have done tons of research. I have brought guests on in the past and chatted a lot about hormones, some about fertility, and today I just figured, why don't I do a roundup episode of everything that I've learned about fertility and toxins and really just go from there. So I hope you enjoy. Did you know that fertility has dropped over 50% in the past 50 years? That is a rate of 1% every year. This statistic comes right out of Dr. Shauna Swan's research, which I highly recommend you read her book, Countdown, so that you can learn more. But when I heard this statistic and the following statistic, which is by the year 40, that fertility rate could reach zero following this trend, it absolutely shook me. And I've been aware of the impact that toxins play on fertility, and I've been aware of the amount of people struggling to conceive and the amount of people that are just unable to have children. And it is growing so rapidly. And according to 
Dr. Shauna Swan's research, as well as the environmental requirements for what constitutes an endangered species, humans are considered an endangered species right now based on this rapid decline in fertility. Some more stats for you. Men have only half of the sperm that their grandfathers had. You might think, why does that matter? They have so much sperm compared to women and eggs, but this is a staggering statistic because it has dropped 50% over a couple generations. Absolutely wild, again, if you statistically follow trends, that's not going in a good direction. So that statistic also shook me. Some more statistics. Women in some parts of the world are less fertile in their 20s than their grandmothers in their mid-30s, which is absolutely wild. The miscarriage rate is going up at a rate of 1% a year. There are more men with testosterone problems and erectile dysfunction, and those rates are going up on an annual basis. All of these numbers are climbing or declining at record paces, and it is something that we should all truly be alarmed about. But if you listen more into this episode, I'm going to also share solutions and offer a positive outlook on all of this, despite how shocking all this can be. Because I know you could be listening here and think, wow, this is a really depressing episode. I don't want this show to ever feel depressing, even when the statistics can be absolutely earth-shattering and terrible. The point of this show is to educate and empower so with that, I do have to educate and share these statistics, share the research, share the data, but also I can share solutions and helpful tips so that we can honestly grow and improve and learn because something is not right. Something has not been right. And for fertility to have a rapid decline Starting in the 60s through today in 2023, and humans have been around for how many eons? What the heck happened? And you get the thinking and the industrial revolution, chemicals, the military industrial complex, like all these different things started happening and it's catching up and we can stop it. And we know that humans have survived for eons with very traditional lifestyles. And so, again, this is very out of the ordinary, but it's very healable and fixable, but it takes education. So please stick with me here through this episode. Want to keep the vibes high, positivity. Come on, guys, let's do this. We got this. And the fact that you're here right now listening and tuning into this and keeping your heart open to different perspectives and information is so exciting. You are literally allowing yourself to become a better version of yourself. You can serve yourself, your family, your community better because you're taking the time to learn and change and grow and evolve. So that's incredible. Really, I'm talking to you right now. I hope you're listening. 
because I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for being here and listening and sticking through these shattering statistics. Continuing with some of those statistics, testicular cancer is growing at a rate of 1% a year, as with genital birth defects in males in Western countries. The fertility rate across the world in 1960, 2.4. And that's looking at everywhere in the world, not just Western countries, but also Eastern countries, everywhere. The number in the States is obviously much lower. I think it's about one and a half. It's under two. Looking at the whole world, it's four. So it's dropped, it was cut in half, dropped more than 50% from 1960 to the 2020s. Absolutely wild. And there's a number of factors that absolutely can contribute to that and even social changes and things like that. But again, we're going to focus on the toxin perspective. And I think it would be illogical to say that toxins don't play a role on fertility. That would be absolutely irresponsible. And in fact, a lot of doctors, a lot of health professionals are being irresponsible about this. And it's not their fault. We're not here to blame anyone. We love medical professionals. Lots of them in my family. We respect them. We love them. But something isn't right. And why aren't doctors talking about this? So that's why I'm here. I'm talking about it. I'm not going to be quiet about these statistics because I care about humanity and you care about humanity. And that's why you're here listening right now. So those stats are absolutely wild. This all comes from Dr. Shauna Swan's research. She's a reproductive epidemiologist at Mount Sinai in New York City. Genius woman doing literally God's work with this research. And she's still doing research. And I'm excited for her to publish more research because... I love following this. And again, like I said to you, sometimes when you're learning this information, it can be a bit overwhelming. And I can totally relate because I have to do my own learning before I share with you all. And sometimes the exact same thing happens to me. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated. Like, why is it this way? But I catch myself and I feel so grateful to have the knowledge to be in the know because so many people are not. They will be one day, but I feel really grateful that I have the privilege of doing this as my career, part of my career rather, to educate people, to research toxins and all the things so that we can live happier, healthier, longer, fuller lives. And we're not able to do that if humans start acting like an endangered species like they are right now. So let's stick it through. This is going to get a little bit more positive here in a little bit. But I wanted to talk just for a second now about big fertility. So similar to big pharma, big fertility is a term that's been used to describe the fertility industry. It includes various businesses and organizations related to assistive reproductive technologies such as IVF, egg freezing, surrogacy, and sperm donation. The term is critical when talking about big fertility. It's highlighting concerns about the commercialization and ethical issues surrounding fertility treatments and services. 
Again, popping in that disclaimer right here, there are tons of incredible fertility doctors out there. There are tons of incredible couples out there going through this, doing their best, investing their time, their money, putting their body through such processes. It's beautiful. It's so many things. It's profound. And again, I sympathize with everyone in that process, but we do have to call out that big fertility is an industry. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. It's business and it's sales. And a lot, I've, I've spoken to a lot of women who know a lot about this. They've gone through it themselves or they've worked in that space. And 99% of these professionals are not talking about toxins and toxins roll on infertility. It's, oh, yep, you're infertile, so we have to do this. It's not, here are some solutions to boosting your fertility and increasing your chances naturally through nutrition, through lifestyle changes, through detoxification. That's just not the path that these professionals go. No shade to them. Doing what they know, they are good people, really good people. I wish that it was talked about more. And I don't know how it will ever get to the forefront of the conversation when prevention of infertility, boosting fertility could potentially reduce the amount of customers that these medical professionals and big fertility would have because then their patient doesn't need to spend dozens of thousands of dollars on IVF because they were able to do it on their own. And again, in certain instances, maybe that is the only route, but I think it is safe to say that a lot of people, they, they go to the doctor and the doctor says, okay, this is what you have and this is how we fix it. And it's just through the lens of medicine and medication and not lifestyle change. Maybe there's women going in who have done a lot of lifestyle changes but maybe she has really high levels of chemicals in her body, endocrine disrupting chemicals, hormone disrupting chemicals. The literature is out there. It's out there and it takes dozens of years for literature to catch up to the medical system, probably even more, more years than that, but the research is literally out there about endocrine disrupting chemicals, about bisphenols, about PCBs, about heavy metals, about phthalates, which we're gonna do a huge deep dive on that in a little bit. The studies are out there that show that these chemicals disrupt your hormones and are linked with infertility, but no one's talking about it in big fertility because it's big bucks. And that's what's not cool. It's devastating, actually, that this is where we're at. But at the same time, it's refreshing to have this knowledge and to be open-minded to all the different things. And myself included, I try to be very open-minded to all the perspectives. That's why I keep throwing in all these disclaimers. Everything is bio-individualized. Everything in health, fertility, is bio-individualized. There are never just blanket protocols that 
will work for everyone. In a lot of instances, lifestyle changes work. But in a lot of instances, I'm sure lifestyle changes are just not working. But I just think there could be a better marriage of these schools of thoughts. And it's unfair that people don't know this. So please, when you're listening to this, continue to do your research after this episode ends. Talk to your friends. Talk to your coworkers openly about what you've learned. And I think through these grassroots conversations, I've seen in my own life. That's when change starts to occur on a global scale. And that's why this is so hopeful. Again, these stats and the situation can seem so negative. But when we talk about it, when we get educated, when we get hungry and curious for this, then we start casually talking about this with our friends and family. And next thing you know, they start asking more questions. Please continue to do your research and have these conversations because it's super, super hopeful. I want to dive into the specific chemicals in this next segment here. I alluded to there being tons of research on these different chemicals that are linked with hormonal imbalance and infertility. So let's dive into that now. Various environmental contaminants, including endocrine disrupting chemicals or EDCs, polychlorinated bisphenols or PCBs, heavy metals, pesticides and herbicides, flame retardant, bisphenols and phthalates can have detrimental effects on human fertility. Like I've been saying, these substances can interfere with the normal functioning of the endocrine system, disrupt hormonal imbalance and lead to reproductive problems. Here's how each of these different chemicals can contribute to infertility. So bisphenols. What are bisphenols? You've probably heard of BPA-free products. I have busted the myth about BPA, so have some of my guests. BPA essentially make plastic hard. They're found in hard plastics nonetheless, but they're also found in the lining of tin cans, receipts, and food containers. And in fact, receipts have I believe 10 or 100 times more BPA in them bottle that you drink out of. Handle receipts with care. Don't use receipts. Opt for paperless when you can. But what bisphenols do and what happened with BPA is that they increase estrogen. BPA was originally invented as a hormone, as a medication, and they found that it increases estrogen, but they also found that it could do all of these great things in manufacturing. It started getting used a lot in bottles and plastic bottles, things we we drink out of, hard plastics, tin cans, receipts, food containers, everything I just mentioned. But eventually they the research came out and showed that this was very devastating for babies because babies were drinking warm milk out of plastic bottles that had BPA. So long story short, the research came out and actually caught up pretty quickly. And they they realized that we needed to make BPA-free products. So what did they do? They altered molecularly one element within BPA and created BPS, BPF, all these different things where they could, from a marketing perspective, say, oh, it's BPA-free. People think, oh, I'm safe because it's free of BPA. But It's not safe. 
because it's still a bisphenol and it's just one molecule off. Like I said, bisphenols increase estrogen. Not something that you want to do whether you're a male or a female, especially in male. These are very estrogenic in nature, quite literally because that's what they originally were invented for as a medication. Some ways that you can limit your exposure to this chemical. Keep in mind, if you're looking to get pregnant, start trying to do this two years, ideally, before you're trying to conceive. If it's a year out, six months, whatever, but ideally two years before you try to conceive, try to limit your toxic exposures. And even if you're not looking to conceive, we know that this is beneficial for all ages, all people, all types. You can limit your exposure to bisphenols by skipping printed receipts, choosing glass and stainless steel over plastic, and filtering your water because they're also found in tap water. We all are going to have instances, though, where we're going to be exposed to plastic. I still have some plastic items in my home. Number one, just don't heat up that plastic because the heat is what releases more chemicals. So phthalates are what Dr. Shana Swan spent the majority of her research on. And phthalates make plastic soft and flexible. So opposite of BPA, BPA makes plastic hard. Phthalates make it soft and flexible. They increase the absorption of pesticides and personal care products. So it helps things get into the plant or into the skin. So they're, from an industrial perspective, they're a really helpful chemical because they increase absorption into whatever they're added into. However, they lower testosterone. Exposure to phthalates in the womb have lifelong implications for fertility, especially on baby boys, actually. And this, this is all from Dr. Shana Swan's research. They found that baby boys that were exposed to this in the womb later in life had more implications with their hormone health and lower sperm counts later, as well as a shorter uh, age anal genital distance and all these other different measurements and things were all off in those that had greater exposure to phthalates in the womb. So if you're pregnant, especially pregnant with a baby boy, please stay away from soft plastic things with phthalates. They're not only in plastics, they are found in a wide variety of everyday products, even medical tubes when you're getting an IV, thinking about things that are they're flexible and bendy. So, and they're in the, and they're in personal care products. So what can you do? I would shop for non-toxic personal care products. I really like going to Credo. They have really high standards for human health. You can opt for stainless steel glass when possible. If you're using something that is soft plastic, like a drinking straw, or a water bottle, different, like a squishier water bottle, try not to let these things get exposed to heat. Again, it's impossible to 100% limit your exposure to these things, but phthalates are just not cool. And I think a really good place to start is don't use pesticides and eat organic and also use non-toxic personal care products, like truly non-toxic, not just ones that are greenwashed and say that they're natural. 
similar to BPA, like I was just saying, phthalates leave quickly in the presence of heat. They're water-soluble and non-persistent, so you can detox from them. They have a half-life of four to six hours. This is positive. They can get out of the body very quickly. So why do we care about them then? If they can get into the body and out of the body very quickly, then why should we care? We should care because they keep coming back. These constant micro-dosing, micro-exposures through a lifetime add up. That goes to show how important it is to even just make small tweaks, starting with your skincare. You're going to be detoxing that same day because their half-life is four to six hours, but you have to continue, continually keep your toxic exposures as low as you can and you'll be good. So I love that. Unlike forever chemicals or PFAS, which have half-lifes of up to 10 years, sometimes more, four to six hours is, is a much better half-life. Next, we have endocrine disrupting chemicals or EDCs, which are chemicals that can mimic or interfere with the body's hormones such as estrogen and testosterone. Exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals can disrupt the endocrine system, affecting the production and regulation of reproductive hormones. The disruption from endocrine disrupting chemicals can lead to issues like irregular menstrual cycles, ovulatory dysfunction, and impaired sperm quality. So obviously, this all affects fertility and endocrine disrupting chemicals are found in so many products, industries, industrial products. They are all over the place, but they're also something that we can manage and reduce our exposure to. The next one are PCBs, which are a group of synthetic chemicals that were used in various industrial applications, including electrical equipment and insulating materials. These chemicals can accumulate in the environment and in the body, leading to chronic exposure. PCB exposure has been associated with reduced fertility in both men and women as it can disrupt hormonal balance and affect reproductive organs. What goes on with a lot of these chemicals that are toxic in the body or that cause havoc to the endocrine system is a lot of times these chemicals are participating in acting like a hormone. So they trick the body. They replace the necessary hormone and the body is totally thrown out of whack because some foreign substance, in this case a toxin, is placed into the body acting like a hormone. And as you can imagine, these little exposures over time add up and can lead to a cascade of so many health issues, especially ones relating to hormones. And hormone disruption and infertility go hand in hand. Absolutely. I think reducing your toxic exposure to the best of your ability and not being a perfectionist is one of the best things that you can do to boost your fertility, improve your hormones, you improve your fertility. Next, we have heavy metals. 
sure a lot of you have heard about heavy metals. Heavy metals such as lead, mercury, cadmium are toxic to the reproductive system. Exposure to heavy metals can lead to sperm abnormalities, reduced sperm count, and impaired sperm motility in men. In women, heavy metal exposure can disrupt the menstrual cycle and lead to reduced ovarian function. We're probably realizing that this is not just a woman's thing. Hormonal disruption in fertility occurs across both genders, men and women. The burden is always put on the woman. Oh, it's the woman's fault that we can't get pregnant. Even if someone isn't directly saying that, a lot of it is on the woman. When you're going to fertility treatments, it's always the woman. It's always the woman. But in so many instances, it could be the man. So evaluate the products that your husband, your boyfriend, the man in your life is using because you don't want him reducing his sperm. Quantity or quality. Next, we have pesticides and herbicides. Some pesticides and herbicides contain chemicals that can disrupt the endocrine system and affect reproductive health. For example, exposure to organophosphate pesticides has been linked to lower sperm quality and increased risk of infertility in men. Herbicides like atrazine, which is a really common one like glyphosate, similar to glyphosate, atrazine has been associated with menstrual irregularities in women. I have a couple episodes about the importance of the menstrual cycle as a health and vital sign, not just for making babies. Fertility and a healthy ovulatory and menstrual cycle is the fifth vital sign. You should definitely listen to those episodes. I'll link them in the show notes. The best way to reduce your exposure to pesticides and herbicides is to eat organic. Stop using pesticides at home. I recently had a little ant infestation in our apartment due to a moldy plant. That's, this was really, really exciting. Nothing like having mold and ants. Thankfully, it's contained. It's taken care of. The ants are gone. The mold is gone. I saved everything. It's all good. But I saw all these ants and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have diatomaceous earth, which is a essentially like a clay that has a lot of different uses, functions rather. And I had read, I think I got this information from Branch Basics, who I love the education that Branch Basics shares online, also through my podcast episode with them. And there's so many natural... When I say pesticides, though, I'm usually talking about the toxic pesticides like glyphosate and atrazine and organophosphates. But what I did is I just sprinkled a little bit of this diatomaceous earth and the ants were gone. I obviously wiped up the ants that I saw initially and cleaned the area. And then I just sprinkled this as a preventative measure and it took care of everything. So there are obviously tons of natural things you can do. Also pulling weeds at home by yourself or with your family, with your kids can be a really engaging activity that gets you out in nature, you're grounding, you're taking in uh, lots of good sunlight, getting that vitamin D, upregulating serotonin, producing mitochondria. You get any excuse to go outside is, is always wonderful. So instead of just spraying, you know, some weeds in your backyard, think about making it a family activity. 
but that's not the only way that you're going to reduce your exposure. But when you do all these little things, it adds up. So by not using that at home and then and in your home rather, like a lot of the ant killers or bee sprays and things like that all are super toxic and there's natural alternatives that you can buy or create at home. And also shopping organic. I know it costs a little bit more, but your health is priceless. And think of it as an investment into your health. Most people spend the last 16 years of their life ill and they spend an ungodly amount of money on healthcare later in life. So why not spend a little bit more now so you can have a better quality of life, live longer, have true longevity, and ultimately spend less. That is my little spiel there. The last chemical group to talk about that really impact the hormone system and fertility are flame retardants. Flame retardants are chemicals used in a variety of products to reduce the risk of fire. They're found in a lot of furniture, even some clothing, lots of fabrics. I definitely recommend shopping for furniture that is free of flame retardants. You can always look at my guides on my website, holisticwithheidi.com, or on our Instagram pages, at holisticwithheidi and at lifelong underscore pod. There's tons of great information, resources, and guides on there, especially about furniture, because I love furniture and design. I used to work in that industry. But also, if you ever have questions, just email manufacturers. Like That is one of the best things you can do. If you have questions, always ask. And the more that we ask these questions in a kind way, the more brands realize that this is important. So keep speaking up. It's worth it. So we just talked a lot about different kinds of environmental contaminants that have effects on fertility. Keep in mind that it depends on the level and duration of the exposure as well as individual susceptibility. But in general, whatever you can do to minimize your exposure to these substances through lifestyle choices and responsible product use can help reduce the risks associated with infertility and reproductive health problems. Keep doing your research. Do what you can to reduce your toxic exposures and you'll boost your fertility, you'll boost your hormone health, and your overall health will improve. Something I'm really passionate about is ancestral traditional eating. And I have a wonderful podcast episode with Fiona Riddle all about eating nourishing foods. And the reason I'm mentioning this now is because this type of diet is so important for fertility. This could be an entirely different episode, but I do want to just kind of touch on it. Maybe I'll do a part two going into nutrition for fertility. But someone that I really, really look up to, an organization rather that I look up to, is the Weston A. Price Foundation. And this man was the pioneer in really uh, researching and, and bringing back this way of ancestral eating and realizing how important it is for development, jaw development, healthy teeth, healthy, and a healthy life. And they have a wonderful book called Nourishing Traditions, and they share some foods to incorporate into your diet to boost your fertility, which of course ends up boosting your overall health. And I wanted to share some of those foods. So some of the foods from the Weston A. Price Foundation to boost fertility include cod liver oil, whole raw milk, 
butter, eggs from pastured chickens, and egg yolks, organ meat like liver, fresh seafood, particularly wild salmon, shellfish, and fish eggs, fresh beef or lamb, always consumed with the fat, oily fish or lard for vitamin D, coconut oil, lacto-fermented condiments and beverages, just fermented beverages in general, and condiments like kefir and kimchi. Those are really great fermented foods. Bone broths, soaked whole grains, and fresh, fresh fruits and vegetables. Some foods that the Weston A. Price Foundation recommends avoiding to boost your fertility are trans fat, fatty acids like hydrogenated oils, junk foods, commercial fried foods, sugar, white flour, soft drinks, caffeine, alcohol, cigarettes, and drugs, including prescription drugs. Of course, talk to your doctor. Please, please talk to your doctor. But yeah, love the Weston A. Price Foundation, Wise Traditions, incredible book, information. I definitely think I need to do another podcast episode on this. Please let me know if you want to learn a bit more about nutrition for fertility, and I can do a deep dive into an entirely new episode for you all. Well, that's it, folks. I appreciate you all being here, tuning in to this special episode about toxins and fertility, and I hope that you leave this episode feeling empowered and excited to share this information with someone that you love. So if you can, please share this podcast episode via text, email, Instagram stories. If you post to Instagram, please make sure to tag at lifelong underscore pod. As always, my email and DMs are always open for any questions. You can email me at Heidi at holisticwithheidi.com. And I'll see you all next week. So good to be back. Thanks, everyone. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcast? Have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod and at holistic with Heidi? If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all and we'll see you next week.